Amen, and good morning. Thank you, worship team. I uh, always am blessed by your offering of music that you share with us. To all those who are online, uh, I saw some very kind wishes, and so thank you very much. I very much appreciate that. I don't know about you guys, but for me, Christmas has hit a little bit different this year. It's been, it's been a very difficult time. I've thought about sitting at home this Christmas Eve. It was really hard for me. You know, normally I'm right here in the midst of it. I'm preaching, and it was just different. It was hard. I was really emotional. Uh, many of you know I, I've had a really tough year. Uh, my father passed away in June. It's just, it's just been a difficult year. And, and each time I come to these holidays, they've been, they've been difficult and they've been different. And I think for a lot of us, we haven't had the Christmas that we're used to. Maybe some of the parties that we're used to going to, some of the activities, some of the traditions that are special to us, we just have not been able to do in the same way. And so my question for us today to think about is when all of that is stripped away, when all the things that we traditionally think about Christmas, all the glitz and the glamour, when all that is stripped away, what makes it Christmas? What is this all about? What is Christmas all about? And, and it's exactly what Josh was sharing with us just a moment ago, that God is with us. In fact, John Wesley, who founded the Wesleyan movement, of which we are part of, said, the best of all is that God is with us. A few weeks ago, I was doing Ash and Ask with Pastor Jim, who's been so generous in letting me come and speak and, and share with you guys. And we were talking about how astounding it is. The story of a Christmas is astounding. And, and maybe this is a good reason that some of these things have been stripped away, right? Because God always makes good come from bad situations. And maybe one of those good reasons is that we can focus on what it is truly about and, and imagine this astounding truth. Imagine this astounding truth. That when humans were separated from God, not by, because of what God has done, but because of what we has done, that the way that God chose to solve that problem was by becoming human, by sending his one and only son, just like we, we say in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he so loved that he sent his one and only son that they shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God's solution to the problem of us being separated was to come and be a human and not only that, not only did, did God live like we did, suffer like we do, have joys like we do, but then Jesus died on a cross, bridging the gap once and for all between humans and God, and then was resurrected three days later. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God coming into our world and saying, I am with you. You know, we're going to read a scripture from Isaiah where it talks about uh, the people crying out and says, God, if you'd only open up the heavens and come down. You know, there are people who had, who had failed God. They had, they had struggles. We'll get into that in a minute. But we can empathize with that this year of 2020 that has been so difficult. You know, I, I, I was watching the chat a little bit, and I, I noticed there was some things that people are going through. And, and I, I'm sure there's people in this room also that you're struggling. I, and I know for a fact that there are people outside the walls of these church who don't even have, like, some of their basic necessities you know, the lines to food bank are longer than ever before because people are missing some of the basic needs. And so people are crying out, God, why don't you just open up the heavens and come down? And that's exactly what God did 2,000 years ago. God opened up the heavens and came down in the person of Jesus. And the promise that we have since then is not that God is going to take away all of our problems, not that everything is going to be perfect, not everything is going to be smooth sailing, but that God is with us in all things. But there is a challenge 
Because God is inviting the church to be a part of that. And that where there are people who are hurting, they need to experience God with us. And church, you're it. God can work without you, of course, but one of the ways that God chooses to work in this world is through the hands and feet of the people who call themselves Christians. And that's why we're going to talk about this morning, is what does that look like as we see people crying out, oh, that the heavens would open and you come down. How do we as followers of Jesus align our lives so that we are the hands and feet, so that, that people are experiencing God with us through your very presence? So our scripture today comes from Isaiah chapter 64. I'm going to back up a little bit because this, uh, this, this whole section, uh, most scholars believe it was written after the exile of the people of Israel, after they'd gone home, and things still just weren't right. They were still ruled over by other people. And so in the previous chapter, it says, why did the wicked bring down your holy place? Why did our enemies trample your sanctuary? For too long we have been like those who you don't rule, like those not known by your name. It's just the situation they felt. They, they didn't understand why God, after the exile, hadn't just sort of fixed everything and solved all the problems and made everything right. And so starting with verse one, it says this. If only you would tear down the heavens and come down. Mountains would quake before you like fire igniting brushwood or making water boil. If you would make your name known to your enemies, the nations would tremble in your presence. When you accomplished wonders beyond all of our expectations, when you came down, mountains quaked before you from ancient times. No one has heard and no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You look after those who gladly do right. They will praise you for your ways. But you were angry when we sinned. You hid yourself when we did wrong. We have all become like the unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. All of us are wither like a leaf, our sins like the wind, and they carry us away. So they kind of answer their own question, right? Why isn't God coming down? Because they had struggled in their relationship with God. God, the story of the people of Israel is that God had lived with them, right? God had lived in their temple. God had made tabernacle with them before that. God wanted to be their king, and they said, no, we'd rather have a human king. God wanted to be their God, and they worshiped other gods. God wanted to fight their battles. They said, no, we want to trust other people. You see, their focus had been on anything but God, and so God eventually let them deal with the consequences of those choices. And, and I think the same thing is true in our lives, right? God wants to be the center of your life. God wants to be what you focus on. God wants to be what you think when you get up in the morning and the last thing you think before you go back, go to sleep. And so we need to think about how we need to restructure our lives so that we can be a people that bear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because when we as a church get distracted, it's just like it says in verse 5, that our acts of righteousness I'm sorry, verse 6. We become like the unclean and all of our righteous deeds become like filthy rags. When we get distracted, when we worship other things, then our acts, our acts of good, our acts of mercy, our acts of love, our acts of justice become like filthy rags because we're not focusing on what Christ is doing in and through our lives. Now, you might be thinking, David, I don't really struggle with worshiping. I don't have a little idol at home, right, where I worship other gods. I don't worship Baal or Asherah, which are some of the people that they were struggling with, right? But that's not exactly what our problem is. We still have idols. Because when we, what idol worship is, is when we give divine importance to anything that is not God, 
And I may be preaching this to myself because I've been really struggling in my relationship with God this year. I just have. With everything that's been going on, I've had such block. I've not wanted to kneel and pray. It's, it's tough as a pastor to be able to say that, to say, I have not wanted to go before God because I have these, these blocks and these things that, are, that I'm putting before God. My resentment, my frustration, my anger that I just can't let go of. We have idols. I don't know what that may be for you. Maybe it's an idol of wealth, of desiring to have more. Maybe it's an idol of focusing on yourself over other people. Maybe you spend too much time focusing on social media and what people think about you. Maybe there's some unforgiveness in your relationships with other people, people you need to say, I forgive you. That doesn't mean that the relationship will be restored. But as people of God, we need to forgive other people for what they've done to us. And we hope for reconciliation, that they'll come together and we can restore that relationship, but we don't know. All we can do is forgive. I don't know what sin you're struggling with this morning, what you're struggling that's making your acts, your deeds, like filthy rags before God, but we need to go before God humbly in prayer. And then when we do, when we do, we're going to see God act in our lives in amazing ways. We're going to restore our relationship with God, all the blockage, all the things that is keeping us from being connected to God, that's going to start to clear away. I heard Pastor Raymond preaching this morning. He was talking about being strong in the Lord. And one of the things he was saying is that to be strong in the Lord, we've got to kind of sometimes get rid of the the filth and the distraction and the grossness of our life and just return to the Lord in prayer and seek forgiveness. You know, I think prophetically this passage has two things that it's calling us to do. One is to seek repentance. I think Christmas is a great time. We talked about how it's been kind of stripped down. I think Christmas is a great time to think about repentance. And it may seem like, but I thought we we're supposed to talk about angels and babies and shepherds. Well, Christmas is the time when we say this is the beginning of our Christian year, right? New Year's is coming up, a great time for resolutions. Maybe it's time to think about where we've struggled in 2020. Maybe it's thinking about the things that we put before God and to start seeking forgiveness. But here's the great gift of God and. In 1 John, it tells us that when we seek forgiveness, that God will forgive you, that he'll wipe it away. All that baggage that you are carrying around, all of your sin, all that you're struggling with, God is wanting to take it away from you. You don't have to do it on your own. All you have to do is come before God to kneel down and say, I am struggling with this. I can't handle this. And I need you to take it away from you. I need forgiveness. And the scriptures say, we have to believe what they say, right? That God will forgive you. We talk about hope arriving, about this idea of God with us. We don't have to carry all that with us. God is willing to take it away from us. And the second part about this is that once we have experienced God with us, and if, if you're a new follower of Jesus or you not yet have made that commitment in your life, know that God wants to be a part of your life, that God wants you to come to the Lord and to say that you want to be a part of what God is doing and to seek forgiveness and to be saved and to move forward and, and to be a person of God and living a life of hope in this world. But once we do that, it, it can't all be about ourselves, right? Once we have seek forgiveness, once we've gotten rid of the things, we also have to focus on what God is calling us to do. This is also why it's a good time to think about this at Christmas, Right? I think about New Year, New 2021, right? What is it that God is calling each of us to do? 
I love the first song we sang, Go Tell on the Mountain, right? Each of us, whether we are sitting here in this room, have a responsibility to be bearers of the good news of Jesus. Romans tells us that beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. I think 2021, that the world is going to be desperate for this. The world's going to be desperate for what you know to be true. That Jesus came into this world to save us from our sins so we can be restored to God. You have neighbors, you have coworkers, you have people at your schools, you have people that you know that you, I imagine that every single one of us have someone that we could close our eyes and think about right now that we would love to share the gospel, the good news, that we'd love to go tell them on the mountain about this God who is so astounding that he came to this world to solve the problem of our separation between us and God. You got someone in mind? You know, one thing that before, if, if you can't come in person, you can still do this. You can go and you can set up a TV in your driveway when the weather is good. This is beautiful weather, right? You can worship God outside and you can invite your neighbors. How awesome would that be? What a wonderful way to connect with new people in your driveway. You can have driveway worship. How fun would that be? Or if you're here in person, is there someone that you can just start the conversation and say, hey, I know you're struggling right now. I know this great church. You hear wonderful preaching by Pastor Jim, wonderful music by our worship team. Church is going to pray for you. They're going to love you. Church that's going to help you find a community and build you up in your faith. Is there someone that you could invite to be that? And then I mentioned that part of what we are called to do as followers of Christ is to make the world more like God has imagined, right? That's what we're doing. When we are saved, we're saved for a purpose. And that purpose, right, is to live out the life that God has called us to give glory to God through our life, our actions, our deeds. We've gotten rid of the sin. We've asked forgiveness so that our, our deeds are no longer filthy rags before God. Each of us can find one thing, one act, one thing that we're passionate about, one need in the community around us to make it better. I mentioned earlier today, there are people today who don't even have food. Now think about food, shelter, clothes, transportation. Those are like your four basic things, right? And there are people who don't even have food or clothes. People are getting evicted from their homes. What can you do? What is it you're passionate about? What is it that God has put before you of the the need in your community that you can make a little bit of a difference in? One act, one item, one thing. Because the promise that that God is with us also comes with a, a question, a request. You see, when Jesus after he had died on the cross and been resurrected and he gathered his followers one time and he gave them the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them, and this is one of the most astounding things in scripture to me, he tells them that they will do even greater things because of the Holy Spirit. So the world is crying out, God, why don't you open up the heavens and just come down and fix this problem? God isn't always gonna take away our problems. I wish God would, right? We all wish that we lived a suffering-free life. That's just not the reality. But God's promise is that God will be with you when you suffer. And God's promise is that you will have the church with you. But it's also a calling. That for all those who are suffering, all those who are hurting, that they have you. Because for whatever reason, God's way of working, primary way of working, of course God can act without us. But God's primary way of working in this world is through us. We celebrate Christmas every year, right? Every single year, we talk about this story about God coming in this world. Sometimes I wonder, why isn't the world changing? Why isn't the world getting better? 
And I think one reason is that we as the people of God, we as the followers of God, we who call ourselves Christians, need to take up this mantle of God with us and be bearers of God, bearers of the good news. Go tell it on the mountain. And to love our neighbor in word and deed and all that we can. And so my question today is just a question of reflection. If we strip everything down from Christmas, what is it all about? And what is God calling you to do about it? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now we move to our time of Holy Communion, which we invite those who are at home to join with us. And those who are here, you know, hopefully you got your communion on the way in. And this time we invite to Christ's table all who love God, seek to live in peace with one another, and earnestly confess their sins. So let's take a moment to silently confess our sins to God. Now hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I know forgiveness is a process. It's not instantaneous. This is why it's so important that we do this each and every week, that we seek forgiveness each and every day, really, and seek forgiveness from God and lay those things that we're struggling with before the Lord so that we can go and be the people that God has called us to be. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he gathered his disciples one last time. And it was by no accident that it was Passover. Of course, Passover uh, is the time where they celebrate God's deliverance of the people of God from a slavery and into the promised land. And that's what it is to us. Our slavery, though, is to sin and death. And by Jesus' death and resurrection, we are delivered. And so he gathered his disciples one last time to share this message, this good news with them. And he took ordinary elements like bread and he gave thanks to the Father and then he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is broken for you. He reminded them, every time you eat of it, do this in remembrance of me. And if you'd like to take your your bread and, and consume it at this point. When supper was over, he took the blood, I mean the, the blood. He took the wine, which is red, is the color of blood. It reminds us of the blood that Jesus shed so that we would have forgiveness, so that we'd have a way home. And he took it and he gave thanks to you, O God, and then he gave it to his disciples saying, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and the many for the forgiveness of sins. He said, every time you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. If you want, please. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us, God, here in these elements of bread and cup, that they may be for us your body and blood, so that we, your people, might be transformed, blessed, broken, and given, so all the world will know the mighty name of your Son, Jesus. God, we lay before you all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our struggles of 2020. 
And hope has arrived in the form of your son, Jesus, just as it did 2,000 years ago and just as it will keep doing into the future. And we are excited for what you're doing in this church and in this community as we look to the needs of the world around us to share the good news and help those who are hurting. Lord, guide our every footsteps. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.